Christopher, well, they are late. How are they commenting? We haven't even gotten here yet. <laughs> also, hi guys. You guys. Oh. Uh, so we're in, we're in the Melissa G, Melly G, and Christopher Goodnight. Um, how are you commenting? I didn't realize you could comment before we were live streaming. <laughs> I don't understand how the internet works. I think it's like the audience comes and sits in. The right. amphitheater before the the show starts, you know, and they're like whispering among themselves. I guess. Yeah, I assume. But it still says we have zero. Oh, there's five. Okay. I just jumped from zero to five. All right. Hi, guys. What's up to all our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to slash watching the Colts Pop Spoiler Alert podcast. Uh, you only get us two today. Johnny Destructo and Brian Lee. Brian Lieb, thank you so much for joining me here on this show today, Brian, as well as the listeners. We're here to talk about this week's comic books. Good morning, gents, Ma says Max. Happy to be here. I'm happy to, that you are here as well. JD, uh, I believe this is our 700th episode. Is really? it? Your 700th. It's my 700th episode. Um, <laughs> welcome to the 700 episode extravaganza of the Spoiler Alert podcast. It's just the two of just it's the two just of us. We can make it if we try. We're going to start off with Adventure Man number two by Matt Fraction and Terry and Rachel Dodson. Diamond has this to say, the mysterious disappearance of the original Adventure Man gets a little more complicated when, in the modern era, single mom Claire Connell stumbles into his legacy. But with the Adventure Mantle come untold dangers from those who would seek to destroy it. How would somebody do that? Props for Ad Adventure Mantle. That is fun. That's great. Um, th did you read this book? I'll tell you what, JD. Uh, this was the one book uh, this week that <laughs> we started out with. It was no! like, it started with a bang. <laughs> they read this book. Uh, well, we you know what? Yep. You know what? This is now a thunder round. And on, 60 seconds on the clock. Look, it's a thunder round. Impromptu. Thunder we can round. do it. So basically, Adventure Man is um, Matt Fraction and the Dodsons, and we've got two different um, stories going on within the comic book. So you have these old-timey, adve this adventure team, which t exist in um, a, a fictional world of books, right? Um, and so then you've got the modern age where the kid and his mom um, are hanging out and weird stuff starts to happen in reality. And the kid is a big fan of these books, but then the books start to um, uh, seep into the real world. Uh, and it's big and it's fun. Um, I haven't really grasped all of the fictional characters yet, like who they are as a team, but I'm really interested in what's going on with the modern world and how the fictional world seems to be breaking through into the real. I'm always a sucker for that sort of thing. So uh, this is really good. I'm really enjoying it. And um, I'm definitely going to, I don't know if it's a mini series or uh, an ongoing, but I'm in. End of round. End of round. It kind of reminds me of, I didn't see the movie at the time, Last Action Hero. Oh my God. I never saw it. I had the Burger King cup with mm -hmm. the uh, like kind of animation kind of thing. Yeah. 
but uh, I never saw it. And then reading about what the concept was as an adult, it actually sounds awesome, um, but kind of not realized in the public what they were doing. But it's a you know fictional thing into the real world. Uh, we do have a letter. Christopher Sansaucy sent it to both you and I, and um, it's uh, well, it's empty. Hey, let me ask you this, Brian. What's happening? Did you read DC's Dead Planet number one of seven? Uh, JD, I'm not. I'm not interested in reading books for this. <laughs> I'm not here to read and/or discuss comic books. Exactly. <laughs> We're just here for friendship. I want to hear, have staring contests, and talk with you <laughs> exclusively about things not related to comics. Oh. Uh, I did read DC's, and and I enjoyed it. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Um, so DC's Dead Planet number two from Tom Taylor and Trevor Hairsine. After a corrupted anti-life equation turned billions into monsters, including Earth's greatest heroes, our planet was as good as dead. Years later, a distress call brings Damian Wayne, John Kent, and Cassie Sandsmark, the Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman of Earth 2, back to a dead planet. But what will this new Justice League find waiting for them? If life still exists on Earth, who or what is lying in wait for these heroes? So I think this description is a little off. Um, because it says they are the Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman of Earth 2, which is the case. These right. characters, um, at the end of DC, the original miniseries, they pewned out uh, off of the Earth and into space. I assumed just space. Somehow they wound up in Earth 2, um, which is another part of the multiverse. I don't know how they transversed the multi, right? Maybe. So decided it was a good idea and it's so commonplace in the dc universe that you don't need to be shown like they left and then they were like ah, it's probably a good idea to go to earth too yeah can they just do that though don't they need like the flash or well some sort of someone with the ability to to cross the multiverse let's be realistic they're gonna do it you know what i mean we'll come up <laughs> with a way if they yeah. if superman and damian wayne and you know they're all on the ship together They'll figure something out. You know, they'll get to Earth too. Hmm. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah. So they're. I mean, and they are those characters of Earth two now because they weren't those characters on Earth one. So technically, that's correct. But I think it, it gives the impression that um, these are alternate versions of these characters stemming from Earth two, when in fact they are our versions of the character or the deceased versions of those characters who right. had gone to Earth two, have been there for five years, and are now returning from Earth two to the place of origin. Right. Earth one. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as how the book is, this is just as fun. If you liked Deceased, hmm. liked um Deceased uh, the second miniseries. The one that we read. About the villains. Yeah. Um, you're going to love this. This is great. This is more of that. That was what, what it's called. Deceased Unkillables. That's right. Which turned out to be a little bit of a misnomer, actually. Yeah. It turns out they were pretty yeah. killable. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, oh, he says, check now. Trying a third time. Here we go. All right. So we'll, we'll wrap up this review and then we'll talk about the letter. Um, but, and also I'm very excited because it's got my dude, John Constantine. There he is. And also, look at, the, I love the costume designs. Cassie Sandsworth, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, I feel like John Kent's Superman is a little boring, um, but I really like the Cassie Sandsmark Wonder Woman. I, I agree exactly. I think the Wonder Woman one is great. The Batman one is pretty cool, but nothing like that new. It's a Batman suit. Right. It, this could be Bruce Wayne. 
Yeah, oh, his, what did his I, what did I was unlikely to be Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Flash. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's basically just a gray belt, which I think they did in the New 52 even. Hmm. At one time. Um, and Superman's is like, all right. Connor Kent's Superman from Titans of Tomorrow looks kind of similar to that. That was a great yeah. uh, like kind of update future Superman design. I like all the Titans of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. great. And great story, too. Was John Constantine on Earth 2 or Earth 1 at the beginning of this? I don't know. Yeah. No idea. Oh, um, no, they were in... No, no he's in that in bar. The interdimensional bar, or like the non-dimensional bar. What was that called? Is it the House of Secrets? Is that it? It might be. Is there a bar in the House of Secrets? I mean, there yeah, should be. There probably is, but that's not the bar. Is it Oblivion? Oh, Oblivion is, bar? It, is it the words Oblivion bar that are that are written on the comic itself? That's the one. It's the Oblivion bar. Yeah, I bet it's that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, are, we are the world's greatest detective together, you and I. We combined. We combined our powers <laughs> to make the world's greatest detective. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is brutal. Um, just like anything Tom Taylor writes is pretty brutal. Also, I loved Kilowog. Also, I got a little emotional because they arrive on Earth, right? Or they arrive at Earth. And uh, Kilowog is on guard duty. So basically, they have a rotating system of the Green Lantern Corps. And one of them will show up and just guard not only the Earth, but also keep an eye on the sun. Because Superman is in there. Uh, the zombie version of Superman. And... That's going to – no no good if he uh, – bad news bears, as they say, if he gets out of that sun. So uh, Kilowog is here, and he's um, guarding it. And uh, something, something comes. A projectile is coming from Earth, and it smashes through the Green Lantern barrier. And I was like, oh, no, what could it be? It was crypto. Uh, it was awesome. I, I, yeah, I, uh, I felt that as well. Yeah. His tail's wagging, and oh, it was so cute. That, but it also made me go, y'all left Earth without crypto? That's rude. Maybe it was one of those things where he, they like were trying to go and the door was closing and crypto was like, go on without me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Classic crypto dialogue. Classic crypto. He did used to have that, uh, that little box. Oh, really? The silver age. He had a little box. Cause I think he's smart enough to talk. He's super smart, you know, yeah. it, especially in the silver age. And I think he had a little box that would verbalize his, uh, his. Oh, thought. it was an audio box. It wasn't like. Yeah. Yeah, it was text. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I thought maybe it would it would be like one of those little digital. No, no, it was well. They didn't have that at the time. It would have been little like panels flipping around. Oh, I see. No, it was audio, and there would be little lines, little radio audio lines coming out of it. That's cute. Yeah. Um, and then of course we know exactly as soon as you have that conversation between Black Canary and Green Lantern. Come, come, obviously, come on. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't, I was, the part that surprised me was, I don't think he's necessarily gone. Like, they have a cure, and he's not dead. Oh. So that's what surprised me. But yeah, when they're having that conversation, you know, with this kind of story, it's, I didn't read the first one, but it's like, all right, these are the people that made it out. They're good. And then once this, once there's a sequel, it's like, oh, they're not good anymore. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> you know, like, they're heading back into danger. Something's going to go bad, you know? Um. And also, you know, I spent the whole issue going, why in the world would Cyborg bring them back? Why is he in danger? He, like, sacrificed himself and right. has remained there as only a head for five years. And now he's like, hey, guys, everything's so terrible. Get over here. This is going to be great. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, it's going to be such a goof. Oh, you guys. Oh, I'm going to get you. Oh, we're going to have a laugh. Um, but then they explain that. And that's all. That's yeah. all well and good. Uh, going back to um, Green Lantern for just a second. Mm. There's a conversation between uh, I'm not I'm sorry Green Arrow and uh, Black Canary. Who is a Green Lantern? Who is Green Lantern? That's true. Green Lantern and Green Arrow, which is real cute. I love that, by the way. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't goes, make that connection. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, so Green Arrow, they have the whole thing with the sword, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Fine, I'll hold the sword. Yeah. Uh, pretty Bird, I like it here. Promise we'll come back, and her response is, "I promise I'll bring you back." <laughs> Like, is that some dark fore uh, foreshadowing? Like, wait a minute. How about if we both come back together? How about if you don't bring bring me back? I'm talking about alive would be great. <laughs> right. It just seems like she's already setting up, like, if you die, I'll bring your corpse back. It'll, I'll keep my yeah. promise. It's fine. Yeah. My honor will be intact. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I really care about. But, yeah, this is great. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Hmm. Do you agree? Do you concur? I concur. I, you know, I re we read Un Unkillables and I enjoyed it. I haven't read the main series still, Jeez. but it continues to not be necessary. You know, it's yeah. fun. And, yeah. Yeah. And I always like seeing the future versions of it, you know, like John Kent, Damian Wayne, and Kent, oh, yeah. Mark as the Trinity. You know, that's always a good time. For so, sure. Yeah. Christopher, Christopher Goodnight wrote us in. Surprise, surprise. Here we go. Who's <laughs> coming? He says, well, the email is called Trying a Third Time. There it is. Man, it bums me that the pods are combining. Hopefully the episodes are a bit longer. Jesus Christ. It's always something. Hopefully the episodes are a bit longer. Maybe if there is a news item that Brandon sees, he can record a reaction video when he sees it, and JD can plug it into the episode after the fact, or Brian, or Noel, Noel or Len. I mean, I could literally just come on the show. Uh, some questions. Why is it called Thunder Round when lightning is the faster event of the two? Well, because it's 60 seconds. If it was only five seconds, it would be called a lightning round. And also, we were going for the Thor tie-in, the oh, yeah. God of Thunder, Thunder Round. It's true. Plus, lightning doesn't have a sound. We can't do, like, round. <laughs> that would work pretty well. So many reasons. So many reasons. Um, and this, this is for Len, so Cool. Uh, who's not here today. Len, how do you feel about the possible inclusion of Storm in Black Panther 2? Brian, if you would, remind me to bring this up next time when Len is actually on the show. Sorry. He's nursing a major headache today, so he's not able to make it. He's not feeling great. So, yeah, sorry. Christopher, I oh, know, Melly G says, congratulations on the 700th episode. Max says, if only there were a place online that I could show my appreciation, perhaps monetarily, on a monthly basis. I think Max... I'm not 100% sure, but I think he's talking about our Patreon, mm. uh, patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo, where you can help out the show and help help us produce quality episodes like this where everything runs smoothly. I am appropriately ready for the show. I have already researched the emails and brought them up. Um, and then Brian has read all the books. If, if this like is the quality you're here for, <laughs> give us money. Yeah, I mean, the more money you get, give more quality you get it's very uh, i make no promises <laughs> i'll tell you what if you donate or pay upwards of ten thousand dollars a month per performer i would be happy to read seven comics a week <laughs> <laughs> i think that is that's an appropriate seems fair yeah 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 um let's see action figure expert says hello heather hello what's up how are you how are you guys doing we're great yeah, um, 
And Max says, yikes. Glad we waited for that email. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the other big book of the week, Fantastic Four Empire number zero. Ah. Uh, and this is written by Dan Slott with art by R.B. Silva. What I like so far is that uh, the both of the zero issues for Empire, Fantastic Four, and Avengers are done by the same art team who brought us House of X, Powers of Ten, uh, ah. which is great. Great. I love the art. It's so good. Uh, yeah. Diamond has this to say. The last of the Kree Scroll Warriors, a pivotal issue, not just for Empire, but for the future of the FF. In the most unlikely of places, the Fantastic Four witnessed the final conflict of the Kree Scroll War, and the fate of these final warriors will make a stunning change in the lives of Marvel's first family for years to come. All this and the introduction of a long hidden elder of the universe, the Profiteer, witnessed the first appearance of this new major player in the cosmos. So she is new. Actually, JD, can we take a moment? An unusually uh, or an unlikely guest, Carl Carls. There he is from that. Tasmania. At an unusual time for Carl. I'm actually not sure what time it is. There, I don't know the, I don't know the difference. But it's late or, or very early. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Carl Carls. Um, um, okay, so I didn't realize I I hadn't heard of the Profiteer before, but there's like a bunch of elders of the universe. And exactly. I, yeah, I was kind of wondering if she was new, but uh, I wasn't sure. She feels newer, right? Um, what you, do you think of the issue? I think she's whatever. I don't care about her at all. I wasn't like, ooh, new character. This character is so intriguing. Her name is the Profiteer, and she's there to profit. <laughs> ooh. Also, there was even a twist. It was like a, a twist that would normally come after like years of writing the Profiteer. My full name is the War Profiteer. Dun, dun, dun. Why didn't you say that earlier Yeah, <laughs> when you were introducing yourself? Especially especially since her whole, it's not like she's the Profiteer, but then also a War Profiteer. Right. The whole gist that she's even here for when we first meet her is to continue the war to right. profit off of it. Right. <laughs> yeah, she's like, it's the gold standard, which I don't know how that works. Your currency is backed off of the... The existent, the abstract idea of war. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess. I'm, well, anyway, that's not important. <laughs> the rest of the issue is great. I, I think that yeah. everything yeah, leading up to this empire, as much as we have all been um, kind of a little frustrated by what seems like a giant event that is going to go on too long, mm. so far, every mm. single issue uh, leading up to this event, and again, we're, we haven't gotten to the event yet, no, uh, has been interesting. Uh, every issue I think has been engaging, interesting. Uh, I'd never have cared about the scroll and the Cree and their war. Uh, it's something that I just sort of recently learned about um, in Road to Empire. I think it was called. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's it's a, it's a classic cool. story, but I didn't know about it. Okay, right, right. And I yeah. remember that there was an '80s or late '80s, early '90s event called the Scroll or the Cree Scroll War, right? Yeah, I, I never read it. I never read it either, and it was always one of those things that... So I was never too into the Avengers as a kid. You know, like, they were fine, but I didn't really follow them. Same. And, uh, yeah, and um, the Kree Scroll War was always that kind of, like, huge thing that had happened a while ago in their continuity. You know, so you got, like, the idea that it was this big thing, but that's about all I knew, too. Yeah. You know, and, and the name says it all, but... Um, well, well, the cool thing here is that so the Kree's and the Scroll have reached an accord. Yes. And then um, the the war is on pause. Mm. But this war profiteer or profiteer, 
Who knows? I don't know what to call her. <laughs> She's a mystery wrapped in an enigma nestled in a box of what the fuck? Mystery chocolates. What's that? Mystery chocolates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, but so basically she has these two children who have been bred specifically to fight in an arena over and over again and try and reenact these cr popular Cree scroll battles from the war. Um, and they just kind of like attack each other over and over again. And then the one gets their throat slit, but then they put them in a stasis field and they heal them just so they can fight them again in a couple hours. So basically you have these two child slaves who've been indoctrinated and infused with these abilities and also the entire history of their people mm. um, and have, you know, are made to hate each other and kill each other over and over and over again, which I think is a really cool idea. And a great way to profit. The profiteer really nailed it, I think. Yeah. It's a, it's a business it's a, system. It's a win-win forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And I like the FF. I like what's going on with Valeria. Or Valeria. I always... I always said Valeria. Yeah. But I don't really know. Uh, I, like, I like the whole thing where basically the parents do the thing. Uh, Sue and Reed do the thing where they're like, "You stay with the vehicle. We need you at the vehicle because that's the most, the most um, important thing that we have here." Um, you know, giving them a, no a do nothing job, right, to make them feel important, even though they're staying behind. Right. Uh, and Valeria winds up going, "Ah, they've brought us to a casino planet, and they specifically told me that our ship is the most valuable thing we have." <laughs> Clearly, what they want me to do is to trade in the ship in order to get a bunch of chips so that I can win us more money by gambling uh, in this intergalactic casino. Yeah. And that's what she does. I thought that was really cute and fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, oh, I also liked how it ended when we got done the Avengers uh, Empire Zero. Yeah. They were with the, the Armada and I was kind of like, eh, you know, so now it's going to be the FF or against the event, you know, this ideologically opposed thing. No, they nope. just happened to be there and were as surprised as everyone else. Yeah, I like that. That was a nice little turn as well. Because, um, yeah. you know, they sort of just show up and they're like, oh, man, what's all these ships doing here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. Uh, it was fun. It was uh, just like a fun sort of little lead in. And then I guess the thing that changes the FF for years to come is the fact that they've brought these two children with them, a Kree and a scroll. Yeah. Um, and now they're going to be part of the, uh, I guess, I don't know, the future The future foundation still exists, right? They exist, but they're not around. They're off traveling with Professor Power, uh, who is, I think, was just one of them and then was made the leader at the end of when they got, when the FF got home. Yeah. Uh, so they're off wherever traveling, but I don't think they're not like specifically so far away that they can't be gotten to or anything gotcha. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, well, I remember, I, the, the future foundation seemed to involve a bunch of children. So I didn't know if it generally you know. does. Yeah, they're all very smart kids. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why they're there. So I don't know. I mean, these kids could be really smart. Oh, we haven't really seen what they can do as far as that goes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. I liked this as a lead in. I was just thinking this now that, you know, a lot of lead in story zero issues will kind of set up what is happening in a more nuts and bolts way. It's like, mm -hmm. well, this you know, this uh, Kree scroll Armada is coming in and we got to deal with that. But this sets up the uh, the idea of what's happening, which I mm -hmm. thought was cool. like a little background in a microcosm of these two kids 
and presumably also like they will be kind of enlightened to hate each other less and less yeah. if they're continuing to be in the story, which uh, I think is an interesting approach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a really interesting way to handle this. I still, I'm so curious as to what the actual story is going to be it's for Empire. It's intriguing. Well, I think we've got the Krees and the Scrolls are now together and they are being led by... Hulkling? He was at one time called Hulkling. I don't know if he still is. Um, but I was thought well, he was cool. I'll tell you, there's an issue coming out called Lords of Empire, Emperor Hulkling. So it's probably... I assume he's still called Hulkling. Wouldn't be a good PR move. Yeah. yeah. That if it wasn't your name anymore. I know. It'd be like being the war profiteer, but also the profiteer. <laughs> Pick a name. Or like JD and Johnny Destructo and Jadles. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do as I say, not as I do. Action figure expert says, also, if they are going to give meetings powers because of the Infinity Stones, how will the older characters be brought into the MCU? You know what I mean. Well, uh, mutants, I assume is what mutants. you mean. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that they are going to do it that way, but there could also, oh, <laughs> there's a time zone, right? Ah. Maybe it affects things, you know, going going back also. Or just they were around and, you know, Wanda is maybe not a mutant or she was a mutant, but that's what unlocked her mutant powers rather than actually gave them to her, it, you know. Standard retcon. Yeah, the yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, Max says, oh, with regard to the Patreon, he was like, I was actually hoping for an OnlyFans. <laughs> Which is... What is? What is only of a Patreon for porn. porn. Oh, great. All for right. sex workers, right? I wore the button down. And ooh, okay, oh, here we go. 20 bucks per button. Here it comes. I'll just assume that people are sending it in. <laughs> Again, great business practice. Uh, Carl Carl says it's 12:54 a.m. I was going to go to bed, but going to have to stay up now for this quality content. Fantastic. Carl Carl needs to stay up. Yeah. He's got the little things on his eyes, the clockwork orange thing to keep his eyes open. <laughs> All right, Stealth number one by Mike Costa and Nick Bellegard. Um, let's see. Oh, Dead Hand goes viral. This old school villain takes his vendetta against Stealth to the streets to call out his rival, and everyone in Detroit must choose a side. This series is great. Yeah. We're only three issues in, but I still it's it's wonderful. Uh, I love it, and I didn't know what to think about uh, Dead Hand who looks a lot like Two-Face, but there's so many great scenes just in this issue alone. Uh, the dialogue is fun. The setups are interesting. And the bank scene was fun. Yeah. yeah. And this henchman's idea to turn against Dead Hand and going to the, um, the other gang mm -hmm. to try and set up Dead Hand. There's so much fun stuff in here. I'm really enjoying it. And then, of course, we've got Stealth at the end going to a safe house where he's like, no, this, all right, I had three safe houses and yeah. the, one, the one safe house on this street, that's the one that got, everyone knows about. So I shouldn't, I, that, that's not the one I'm at. I'm at the one that's good. Okay, great. And then you find out, oh no, he's at the one that everyone yeah. knows about and he's yeah. being snuck up on by like 15 different gangsters. Yeah. Um, so dealing with a character, a superhero who has memory issues mm. speaks speaks uh, very loudly to me. I have huge memory issues. I have worse memory. 
And so this would probably be what I would be like if I had a super suit. <laughs> and I don't even I don't even have early onset dementia. So this is my life is going to get only better as I go. <laughs> what do you think of the issue? I, I think it's so well done. You know, I mean, the the writing is spot on. Like it's it's it weaves this tale that I care about, despite not ever having read a stealth thing before, you know, cause it didn't exist. And it, it is a lot of fun. I find it, it's tough. It's tough to read because of the subject matter. You know, it's, it's, I feel so bad for, for this guy, you know, and it's hard to, to read that. But part of that is because it's so well-written, it's so well-conceived and executed. So I really, I really enjoyed it. Oh, I don't see the comparison too much between Two Face and Dead Hand. I mean, obviously, I see why you make that comparison. I just don't think it's it. It doesn't distract me at all. Right. Like he just kind of half of his face is this way, and he's you know got some weird powers and what have you for completely different reasons. So I see it, but it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't get in my head too much. Yeah, really, really well done. Mm -hmm. It's not a kind of character that I would usually care about that much. Like the. <clears throat> the stealth part. Yeah. No, no, like guy in a suit. Eh, I mean, there's some that are cool. I always thought dark Hawk, dark Hawk was cool, but um, it, generally not too much, but it's fun. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think what makes this character is the aging element, you know? Yeah. yeah. Do you think the sun is going to be, or somebody else will be stealth at some point? Well, that's what I'm, you know, I was thinking about that because yeah. you got the kid and I imagine at some point the, the suit is going to go to the kid maybe, but then. Yeah, he's got a thing. The father was like, I think aliens gave him the suit and they did something to him also, right? So who knows yeah. if the suit would work at all for it. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of um, Greatest American Hero. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember that. Yeah, he had, a, he had a bright red suit, and I believe he was walking on air. Sorry, JD, I'm That's singing. Right. Um, <laughs> it's always more important to sing a theme song. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Da -da -da. I don't know that. I don't know the next. Da -da -da. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but basically, it was a TV show back in the day, many, 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 many days ago. And it was about this uh, guy who gets a alien super suit that just looks like a superhero suit. It's spandex, basically, but it gives him the ability to fly. I don't know if it gave, I, did it give him like superpowers? He, I'm pretty sure it did. He would, you know, he would kind of like struggle through yeah. the air. I am pretty sure it gave him some other powers. Yeah. I can't remember a single one. Like, no, no. No. All I remember is that, that he was really bad at landing. He would always crash. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any host. Yeah. If, if you guys haven't started it yet, it's only three issues in. I think it's still a mini series. I think it's only five or six issues so far. It's so good that I'm hoping it continues a little longer. Like maybe a 12 issue maxi series would be great. I don't know how long you can stretch out this particular story uh, without moving things forward. But then I don't know if if that detracts from the story because then it just becomes about a guy in a suit you know if we get rid of the dad issue um but right. yeah i think if you haven't read this yet i highly recommend you pick it up uh, he wouldn't also if it switches wouldn't necessarily the the dad story potential wouldn't necessarily go away like yeah. there are other things that like the dad still has something inside of him that could mm -hmm. have some sort of superhero element to the story or you know True, yeah 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 
Um, Strange Academy number two. Yes. By Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos. Go to class with the students at Strange Academy. Your class, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so Diamond, this is the Diamond description. <clears throat> so bear with me. Here we go. Your class schedule, 815 to 915. History, history of magical objects with the Ancient One, 925 to 1025. Elements of chaos magic with Scarlet Witch, 1035 <laughs> to 1135. Jim with Coach Taylor. 11, wait, 1140 to 1210, lunch, cooked by the mindful one. 1220 to 120, introduction to the undead with Brother Voodoo. 130 to 230, Inferno 101 with magic or magic. Uh, 240 to 320, pending survival, study hall. 330 to 430, magical plants and the care thereof with Professor Man-Thing. I'll tell you what, if they... <laughs> They were not writing this to be read on a podcast. Their <laughs> but if you just saw that in text, eh, that would be kind of a That's cool way to cross what this was. Yeah. It sounds terrible. <laughs> you know. um, but this is, this is a lot of fun. This is uh, the Magic X-Men, right? This is Harry Potter Marvel Universe. There's a couple yeah. of ways to describe this book. Um, <laughs> that is derivative of other things. But, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a tale as old as time. Kids going to school. And learning how to kill things with magic. Yeah. So uh, this is fun. I think the characters, you know, all of this hinges on the strength of the characters that Scotty Young uh, creates or draws from, right? So uh, the fact that we have characters like Doyle, Dormammu. Yes. Was he around earlier? I have no idea who this kid yeah. is. I, I assume that Scotty made him up. Yeah. I, I feel like he might have been in one thing before this, but really? I don't I'm not sure. If only there was some way to look at things and research things online. Some people Alas, there is not. might be interested in doing that. And then we've got, um, I like Gus, the big frost giant. He's fun. Yep. I think the whole, the concept of that is fun too. That seeing like the, like each one is well done. And I like the idea of like, oh, here's this character is drawn from this part of the Marvel universe that mm -hmm. you already know. You know, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then we've got Zoe, who, uh, you know, you've got, well, Zoe and Desi, I believe, are roommates. And Desi is from Limbo, right? So she's sort of kind of like a little demon girl, uh, who I, I think she's very, very cool. And she is roommates with the name I just said. I'm flipping back quickly. Zoe. Uh, what's that? Zoe. Zoe. And Zoe has a secret. Zoe has a secret? Zoe has a secret. We don't know what it is. But Desi knows. Uh Wait, is Zoe the viewpoint character, the one from the human world? That no, that's Emily. Emily Bright is her name. Oh, right. okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, and I, um, the first issue came out so long ago because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. I actually went back and reread all of issue one just to reacclimate myself to the um, characters and then move forward because I was like, I don't remember anything. Like, I don't remember any of the kids in the book other than Doyle Dormammu. Yeah, he's, he sticks out to me. I like this, uh, what seems to be a trend. In, in fantasy, a lot of times, and sometimes sci-fi, uh, there are entire races or kinds of people that are evil. Mm -hmm. because that's what they are, right? Like, uh, ogres are bad, you know, that kind of thing. And I like seeing this, I think this is an example of it, where we see uh, people from races that are traditionally bad that are not bad. That yeah. are just, they look like that, 
they're good people. They're fun, nice, whatever. And I think that that's amazing. I think that that's a great thing to break down about fantasy as a genre. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. remind, um, I had the exact same feeling about the Captain Marvel movie. Spoilers for that film if anyone hasn't seen it yet. But uh, basically, we have the scrolls as the bad guys. They're shapeshifters. They're they're spooky and conniving, and you know they, they're able to change their appearance. Um, and they have, for me personally, they have historically been in the Marvel universe bad. Hmm. Uh, why are they bad? They're just. Bad. I never had any idea why they were bad. Scrolls yeah. are bad. Yeah. No reason. They hate you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when the when the uh, movie came out and it was revealed that the scrolls we were dealing with were just um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for on the Re run, like refugees or refugees. They were refugees. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that they were just families trying to survive in a world that's trying to hunt them down. Mm -hmm. uh, that that was awesome. I really really respected that decision for that yeah. film because yeah. on on a meta level it was. Yeah, everyone in the movie thought they were bad, but right. me as a reader always thought they were bad because that's all I've ever been taught. Right. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a nice little breakdown of how prejudice works and how sometimes we are just fed prejudices and we just accept them. Yeah. So that was a nice um, kind of subtle way to delve into that sort of conversation in that movie and also here. Yeah. In the yeah. book. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think why that happens sometimes is that we – one of our successes as humans, right, is that we learn from the previous people that have been around. Like, you didn't have to figure out algebra. You just learned it, right? Like, you didn't right. have yeah. to figure out not tying. Somebody taught you how to tie your shoes. And one of the ways that can go wrong is learning bad, stupid things like prejudices and racism, you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah. As for a uh, quick side note, when you said not tying, I thought you said you didn't have to figure out not dying. <laughs> I'm constantly trying to figure out not dying. It is a struggle <laughs> not to die. <laughs> Melissa G says, I feel your pain, Carl. I'm always missing out on some of the podcasts because of the time difference. I'm sorry. L I mean, luckily, it's on YouTube forever now. Yeah. You can just, you just watch it. You watch it. They the can't, man. You know, they can't uh, sort of see it happen. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Carl says, thanks, Melissa. I usually miss out on the live show, but as my family is off doing a nature walk, I'm staying up late watching crappy movies and now this. And this. <laughs> crappy movies and podcasts. Crappy yeah. podcasts. <laughs> Samuel David, hello. Uh, Jason says, JD needs to add some new tiers to the Patreon, the sing-along tier and a Brian Burlesque tier with right. or without tan lines. Well, I'll see what I can do. Well, you know, sometimes of the year, no tan lines. Other times, tan lines. <laughs> Sam David, you said uh, so late, gonna have to watch in the rewind. Where, um, where are you located, Samuel David? Um, so yeah, I am in on this strange academy. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. No. Uh, yeah, it's it, and and the art really moves it along in oh. a fun way, you know, in a in a really good way. So I don't know if anyone else knows this, but I do a live stream in the middle of the week at the same spot. Well, I, actually, it's on the yeah, I think it's on this YouTube. Um, where I unbox the week's comics that I get from my comic shop. And so I was kind of dissecting a little bit the look of this book um, because I don't know if it's the colorist or if it's Scotty, or I'm sorry, Humberto Ramos, mm -hmm. but there's a different kind of look. Like all of the, the, the structure is the same, mm -hmm. but now we started adding this sort of pencil shading touch yeah. to it. Yeah. 
which I oh here we go here we go. Um, you mean compared to other Umberto Ramos works? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely agree, and I love it. It really yeah. makes it work well. In fact, now that I happen to be on this page, I wouldn't have noticed this maybe without you pointing it out. Let's see. It's very cool. His uh, Doctor Voodoo, mm -hmm. still called Doctor Voodoo, um, is the reflection is done in like all that shaded kind of uh -huh. or shaded. And it's cool. It's a well done use of that. You know, I don't think I would have noticed it, but now that you pointed out, I think that really is one thing that makes me enjoy the art. Uh, and it feels just, I don't know, more kinetic, more engaging. Yeah. Than it's sure. something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it works to the, the book's benefit for sure. Yeah. Um, now there's this one character and I have a question about him. Do you know anything yeah. about this character with the symbiotic jacket, the leather coat? No. Playing a video game with him? I don't know anything about him. I had the feeling, just kind of like the gut impression, that this is sort of a cloak of levitation in the movie kind okay. of thing, where, like, maybe intentionally, like, you know, it's got the thing going up like that. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's supposed to be sort of similar to uh, or analogous to Doctor Strange's cloak. But other than that, no. In fact, I'm looking at it now, and there's a big eye on the... Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so curious. Is it, it's that character's name is Calvin, and I don't know. I'm assuming he's new. He seems new. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to hear more about him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Also, and I want that coat. That's a cool coat. It's got the yellow interior. The it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, Samuel David is in Houston. Very good. Is it? It's not late in Houston, is it? I think he was uh, about. It, yeah, saying like uh, it's so late, but you got to stay up. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what's next? I'll tell you. It's X-Force number 10, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Joshua Kassara. Diamond has this to say, The Deadly Garden. As one of the team members struggles with their secrets unraveling, the rest of X-Force has to fight to stay alive long enough to salvage their mission. Parental advisory. Huh. Huh. Is that the name of their mission? Parental <laughs> advisory. The mission. It's just <laughs> sex. Our mission if we choose to accept it, is an, is an orgy. Yeah. It's a lot better than a uh, thing that often gets the parental advisory pass. Yeah. Extraordinary violence. Um, <laughs> no and then at the, at the link there is, a, um, is the URL for the X-Men's OnlyFans. <laughs> Just to bring it back around. So there is a little sex at the end of this episode, or at the end of this issue, though. There's yeah. And I guess they... Uh, sometimes rumored open marriage seems to be confirmed because it doesn't seem like anybody's cheating on anybody. You yeah, know, like, everyone's yeah, happy. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've seen the meltdown of certain fans mm -hmm. happening in real time on different, I almost said message boards because this is 1996, I guess. Um, um, in comment sections, I heard the town crier. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was like, I don't care for this direction. I was thinking of the, the newsies, the old timey, the kids with the newspapers. Extra, extra. Go <laughs> it. Um, so, yeah, it's clear that uh, Scott and Wolverine and Gene are in a open, open relationship. The three of them, uh, we, we first noticed it in the um, schematics for the moon base that the Summers live in, mm -hmm. where all of the different characters had different rooms that did not connect to each other. And then there were three rooms mm. 
that are side by side and they each had doors into each other's quarters as well as doors out into the hallway. Hmm. So that was the first time someone noticed that like Gene and Scott and Wolverine have access to each other's quarters. No one else has that. That seems like maybe they're having like three ways. Hmm. Uh, and that, I, that's, I, that's definitely what's happening. Also Scott Summers and Logan. Do you think they're, they're getting together? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I mean, so. Up to now, it's only speculation, but we'll see what's going on. Um, so this um, this was fine. Um, yeah. I, Other than the Jean Grey Logan sex thing, it was. Yeah, the rest was I didn't really care too much about, and I have to be honest, it's been so long since I read the previous issue yeah. that I didn't really know what was happening in the beginning of this issue because it starts off with the three of them walking through a dark corridor that's very spooky. And Wolverine is saying, every mind, every mind is a maze, Dom, uh, to Domino. Yeah. Uh, and I know firsthand the best way to get lost is failing to keep track of where you've been. So I, my thought was is that they were all inside Domino's mindscape for some reason. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Kid Omega had telepathically inserted them into Domino's mind, and they were lost inside her brain maze. Um. And so, and then of course they start getting hit with all of these uh, booby traps, booby traps. That's why I said booby traps. And um, kids ask your grandparents what who the Goonies were. So I was like, oh, okay, they've got mind booby traps. And no, it turns out they were actually in a real place that was overrun with vegetation, like swamp thing kind of vegetation where it has a mind of its own or like Krakoan. Like, um, did you did you recall what he was talking about? What do you mean? Yeah in time like why wolverine said that did no. you oh okay she chose to remove something from her memory when she was reborn ah. it, yeah the you remember she had like her skin taken off of her yeah. and put on to other that's what she chose to get rid of oh okay yeah. that, that doesn't seem like domino does it to get rid of something like that yeah like i could understand if it was something emotionally devastating but she was just sort of, it seemed like it was more torture than. They pitched it as so traumatic that she could like, well, you know, a lot of it is just what you're told about how she feels, you know, of course, in, in all writing. But um, that was definitely how they were playing it, was that it was like, she just couldn't get past it. And there may also have been an element, I don't remember, of like, they are taking her powers, because yeah. that was why they were doing it, and also using them to infiltrate Krakoa. Yeah. So that may have been an element of it. I don't remember either. It took me a while too. I was yeah. like, what? Mind mess. Yeah. I mean, I get it now. Now that I've read the whole issue and I was like, oh, this is what was happening back then. But right. I certainly was confused when I first cracked open the book. Um, but yeah, that sort of thing. My my idea of the Domino character mm -hmm. is someone far more badass than yeah. what is going on here. But maybe that's... Maybe that's just because the violation of what she experienced wasn't appropriately mm. put across. You know what I mean? I didn't feel it as a reader. I was just like, oh, man, she's getting tortured. They took off some of her skin. That sucks. Um, but that sort of thing happens to, like, characters with healing factors all the time. So, Right. Did she have a healing factor? She must, right? I thought she did. Uh, see, I'm not sure she does. I think, like, because she was kind of messed up for a while after that and then was reborn. Right. Um, I'm not sure she has a healing factor. Okay. Uh, 
But yeah, I got the same sense too. But that's how it is in comics. You know, it's like, oh, this horrible thing has happened. Ah, I'm fine. You know, yeah. I moved past it. But then when she started talking about not being fine, but I think that is shown as like an unusual, a new thing for Domino. That like, for some reason, this is getting to me. Yeah, but overall, the issue was kind of, you know, I don't really like, you know, so like, I don't know, Beast is bad now because, I guess because he's smart. <laughs> like he's the next character to make hard decisions because he's calculating or something. I don't know. Well, he's been off for quite a while. Uh, well, I guess I never really, when he brought back the young X-Men and everyone was like, how could you? It was like, yeah. I don't know, seems fine. No, but no, no, I mean, I mean for a while within the confines of just the House of X storyline. Oh, yeah, that is true. Since the beginning of this issue, he was like, I'm a, um, I'm a musician. I'm an orc, you know, I'm, right. I'm conducting this orchestra of murder. Right. It just seemed a little strange for the Beast character. We had mentioned this um, back back then. We did. And we wondered, in fact, if he was the Dark Beast, as I recall. Yeah, that's right. A little hair dye, a little bleach. Nobody mm -hmm. can tell. So yeah, this is hopefully, the, maybe it'll pick up, but this one didn't really grab me. Yeah. That's um, been the case with this book in general for me, X-Force. Yeah. Like, I was fine. It wasn't anything that I, like, if we weren't reading it for the show, I, I wouldn't still be reading it, I don't think. Same, same. Yeah. I'd say it's middle of the rung, middle of the ladder. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not quite Fallen Angels, which I was, like, actively, like, struggling yeah. with. And we no longer read it. Yeah. Actually, well, it's done. It's done. It's done. Okay, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the one I really liked, Justice League number 16. Yeah, whoops, that was supposed to be Young Justice number 16. By Brian Michael Bendis, David Walker, and Scott Godlewski, Impulse Unleashed, Bartholomew Henry Allen II has traveled to the edges of space and time, and along the way, he's discovered truths that he's kept from even his closest friends. Until now, the truth behind the legacy of Young Justice is revealed. What does tomorrow hold for Young Justice? I mean, I don't know. I mean, no, that's not in this issue. That's no. next issue. Yeah, that, and the next issue after that. And Wait, then, and yeah. then presumably the one after that. Um, do you like? Uh, they they still have Drake in this outfit for some reason. I I don't understand why. Yeah. So if, if I may begin with the name, I'm not inherently opposed to him being called Drake. It's maybe not ideal, but it's like they want something to do with him. Tim Drake gets kind of uh, a, a bad a bad deal because Damien is pretty cool as Robin, but Tim Drake is is very cool as Robin, but he can't they can't both be Robin at the same time. And Nightwing is Nightwing, and Jason Todd has his own thing. Tim Drake doesn't really have anything to be if he's not Robin, right? Like when he was Red Robin, it was like I guess, but you know, I liked Red Robin. I was I didn't like I didn't like the outfit. I should I should clarify when he was New Fifty Two Red Robin. Right. I mean, when he was the earlier Red Robin, he still had his whole history and everything, and and he was still more associated with Batman. They just called him Red Robin. Yeah. I think he really works as a guy that is in Batman's life. You know. Okay. So the name, I don't know. It's kind of clever. There's some there's some like reasons if you actually were him not to use your last name as your code name. Yeah, but it's like a purloin letter kind of deal. Like who would expect that you would use yeah. your name as your code name? Mm. But that costume, man. If they change the colors, I'd probably be pretty into it. But yeah, a sore thumb among the Young Justice gang. You know, like they are. Oh, it's just it's just bland and doesn't fit at all. You know, I don't know. 
it's yeah i mean i understand they're going with well first of all i, I still laugh every time i think of like <laughs> didn't they call he's named something like he's named after the world's deadliest bird or something <laughs> and it's like Allard. it's a duck <laughs> See, what uh, you don't know is ducks control a large nuclear stockpile. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that always makes me laugh. But then I guess they're going for the color scheme of a duck. <laughs> so he's brown and yellow. and So we have yet to see him from behind, maybe. I hope that there is a circle of green on his ass. <laughs> maybe a little tail. Maybe a little tail. That <laughs> could, I don't know, have some sort of bat thing, have, you know, like... Uh, it's like a, a sleeping grenade, a sleeping gas or something. You know, whatever. You, you know, he named himself this, I think, because they were in a different Earth and yep. he encountered a different one. And that one's name was Raptor, as I recall. Right. Was it? No, I thought his name was Drake. Oh, was it Drake? Yeah, that's why he takes the name Drake. Oh, I thought he for some reason. Well, I'll tell you what. Raptor would be a pretty cool name. Birds, there are many birds that are called well, that's a like uh, eagles are raptors, they're just sure. not a dinosaur. I'm sorry, my face is I, I'm politely disagreeing that I think raptor would be a good name for I didn't think it was that polite. <laughs> as polite as I'm willing to be about the name raptor, you're not into it, okay? Yeah. Well, uh, all right, raptor or Drake, what are you gonna, what are you gonna pick? I'm going with Drake. I think Drake is a fine name right. uh, because, again, I think it's one of those things. You know, it reminds me of um, during John Byrne's Superman run, mm -hmm. uh, the Lex Luthor puts all this work and money in behind figuring out who Superman is. Yeah. And he finds out who Superman is. He finds out. Like, all of the data comes back, yeah. and it's, you know, it's it's a machine, right? It's doing calculations. And it goes, Superman is Clark Kent. And he goes, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I it's, remember the cover of that issue. Yeah, it's like, it's there's yeah, no yeah. way that he's the. So this feels similar to that, and like, there's no way Tim yeah. Drake would name himself the Drake. Right. Why, why would he put his name as his cover name? Which that I love that kind of hiding. You know, yeah. that kind of hiding of something where yeah. it, I don't know. It's just a intellectually satisfying way of doing that. So for some reason, when I first heard Drake, I was into it, and then I'm a little less into it now. I don't know why. Maybe I'll come back around. Uh, but that color, if if the brown was red, I'd be down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the red and yellow, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, uh, I have another question about that opening page. Who's this guy on the top? I haven't been reading Young Justice as much. And he's swinging in like Spider-Man, but on like an energy kind of thing. Uh-huh. Who's that guy? Keep looking at it. What's he swinging on? A telephone line? He sure is. All right. What's he what called? Do do, what do you do on a telephone if you want to reach somebody? Call them, dial them. Oh, is he a uh, dial H for hero there guy? No, he's dial oh, H. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Yeah. I wondered that too. I was like, who's this spider guy? And then I saw the phone and I was like, oh, okay, it's dial. Very good. Very good. Wait, does he, is is it in a phone now? Or does he carry it with him, the dial? I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I always liked them. I always liked dial H for hero. Well, yeah. Originally it was like a little. Yeah. Like, they found just, like a cave. the dial part of, a, of an old telephone. I don't. Even, it wasn't even a phone in the. It was just like an ancient mystical. Oh dial. really? I think so. Yeah, it was this like golden thing. Um, and then in the New Fifty Two, it was a really good series. They uh, they made it part of like uh, an old telephone that they find and break off. And unfortunately, that was canceled before we figured out what the deal was with that. 
Let's see, what are other comics that I remember that were good? Starman by Jack Robinson. That one was pretty sweet. Oh, Devs! Uh, it was a pretty good show, you guys. Uh, it's I saw it referred to as a clockwork kind of show, and it is. It's very austere and kind of removed, cold in a science fictional way. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the shots are beautiful, um, and uh, they get into some interesting ideas that I am not going to cover because it'll be more fun if you watch it to just find out. Nick Offerman is in it, playing a serious role, which is cool. As is Alice, Alice and Phil. Devs, while you were gone. Devs. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty. Oh, yeah, I saw the first couple of episodes of Devs. No. Yeah. Spooky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, it, it's nice. It's well, well shot and well. It's like beautifully done. I felt. Yeah. Like. It was, yeah. Um, I, 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 I was um organizing my back issues, and I could have sworn I came across some Dial H issues. But I, I was going to go grab them, but I couldn't find them. Um, so that was not time well spent. The, the <laughs> Besides dealing with Drake's costume, how do we feel about the issue where uh, we get some information from Bart Allen, Bartholomew, hmm. uh, about what's been going on with him? What'd you think? I thought it was great. Um, for one thing, nothing to do with the story. I love the return of Bart Allen and Connor Kent from the previous you know, iteration or somewhat previous, somewhat current iteration of the DC universe. Uh, so that was fantastic. I also like the, um, uh, the sort of commonality between their experiences. They're completely different backgrounds, but they're both very young, but they seem, you know, they're both like two years old, two or three years old, but their uh, mental and physical age is well beyond that. And they're, you know, and Bart is like, even among the flashes and the supers, we're, we're the different ones, you know, and I like that. I like the quick, uh, like I like Bart's, I, I just like their friendship as displayed yeah. in this episode yeah. and this issue. Keep saying that. Uh, one thing, I never really understand why comics or, or genre characters are worried about this kind of thing, but he's like, how old am I really? I don't know. Am I six? Am I I'm like, I, what? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> or, you know, you are chronologically two years old. Your mental and physical age is that of a 16-year-old. You can interact like that. You are not like these other people. That's how old you are. Yeah. You know, like that's your answer to that question. Yeah. It was cool. It was fun. What do you think? I thought you were going to say these two characters, they're both young. They're both <laughs> interested in justice. <laughs> um, no, I think this is great. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. Um, the interactions between these characters is what really drives this book for me. Mm -hmm. So having these, this whole issue of just Drake. I'm sorry, uh, Superboy and um, Bart just kind of talking and hanging out and figuring out um, what's been going on. Yeah, uh, it's it's it's, in, it's engaging, and the fact that Drake shows up at the end, I'm stoked. Yeah, me I like too. I want more of them hanging out. Yeah, me too. Uh, and, and so I never read Young Justice, the original iteration when it first came out. They are the original three, right? And then Cassie joins them after not too long. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then there was like a kid Lobo shows up and oh back in yeah this is great I love it and the art's really nice too I really like this art yeah yeah it's really good it's not a kind of art style that I usually get into and uh, it's it's really good you know it's a little more I don't know a little less defined than I'm usually into but it, it really it's working for me yeah it's, it's a good looking book um, I have a question though alright uh, looking at this, 
so they've been doing these yeah. in issues featuring different characters. Yeah. And this is about maintaining social distance <laughs> six feet away from each other. And yet Plastic Man has his hand directly yeah. in front of Flash's face. You know, it's a good point, J.D., and I didn't notice that. I can only hope that Plastic Man, Eel O'Brien, is not susceptible to viruses because his body is completely different. So he's safe to demonstrate it in that way. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, one of the rules is when you're maintaining social distances is not to walk up to somebody and just put your hand on their face. It is. Or, or near his face, really. Counterproductive at best. But yeah, that made me laugh. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> you guys don't really think this one through, huh? <laughs> um, so yeah, this is great. I'm going to read more of it. I'll keep reading it. Excellent. It's fine. Full of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious to see where their thing goes. I'm also curious about, uh, partially just for continuity reset reasons, you know, why do they remember each other? Tim kind of remembers them. Mm -hmm. but not quite, you know, thinks it's a dream kind of thing. So I'm curious to see where that goes. Oh, in the next issue, they meet the Justice League. So that's Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you so much for joining us. You can go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. Uh, you can join us here on this, wherever you're watching this, every Sunday at 1030 a.m. Usually there are four of us. Uh, there's just the two of us right now. And um, I guess what I don't know. Anything else? Oh, we're going to be doing some Thunder Rounds later in the week. Thunder Rounds. Yeah, which are 60-second reviews. We're going to do some of those later. So um, like and subscribe and then put on the little bell so that you get an alert that we're, we're live. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, Brian, where can they find you? Uh, I'm around at brianleapdesign.com mm -hmm. and uh, out on the streets a little more now that I can walk more yeah. than a few feet at a time. Um, and, uh, oh, join me on Twitter at JD's Hero Complex and come to my shop, JD's Hero Complex at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA. Uh, we will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll talk at you later. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky and Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. um, 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 uh, um, and, um, uh, uh, um, 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 um,